0: Hello, and welcome to Unsheathed, with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs.
1: Hi, welcome to Unsheathed, number 26. I am Roger Federer fan, Kyle Gold.
0: And I am went-to-sleep-before-it-was-daytime-in-Australia, Cam Hirosaki.
1: (laughs) And, uh... We're pleased to be coming back to you with our first uh, un-live episode after Further Confusion.
0: We always have to go back to the status quo. Exactly. You know, or it's like a sitcom.
1: Otherwise, it wouldn't be the status quo. Exactly. So, we had a lot of fun at FC. Uh, we did. The live podcast, I think, was a great success. I've heard lots of people saying they had a great time there. I think one of the coolest things about being at FC and talking to people about the podcast was... The people that came up to me, and this happened at least twice, and said, you know, I'm not really that interested in writing, but I really enjoy listening to the podcast.
0: Wow, are we that interesting?
1: Uh, I didn't think so, but uh, I reckon maybe. Because,
0: I mean, we get a lot of emails from people thanking us from our writing advice, but I guess if people just listen to us to listen to us, I'm okay with that, too.
1: I kind of feel it's like when I get email from straight people saying they love my gay porn.
0: See, and that amuses me for an entirely different reason.
1: Well, yeah, but you have visuals to go along with it. I'm sure. Oh, I always have visuals. Uh, But in any case, we wanted to really again just thank uh, for the confusion, the convention, and all the staff for all the work they did, and you know, allowing us to have our live show. And the chair of FC, Loren, was nice enough to listen to the podcast before we um, posted it this past week, and got have it we, back to us and said that it was fine. Have we converted him? Uh, I believe so. He said he he wants to keep listening. Oh, good. I think, actually, we have to thank one of our listeners for that. Okay. Um, Trendane, actually, said okay. he right. ran on to the podcast. So you Thanks to Trendane as well. And thanks to everybody who came to the podcast. Again, you know, Saturday night at a convention, there's dancing, there's parties, and all kinds of crap going on, and you didn't need to be sitting in a room listening to us Jam jabber on from ten fifteen to past midnight.
0: Yeah, yeah, they all get to sit there and watch me drink.
1: But what was cool was that afterwards, for like an hour, people stuck around and hung out with us. I yeah,
0: I looked at the time when we actually left the room. I was like, oh, have we really just been sitting here talking that
1: long? Yeah, yeah. It it was amazingly cool. It was a a bunch of people had went off to partisan partisan stuff, but it was just great to have time to hang around and talk with the fans afterwards and. Um, I think I even signed a book or two, but I didn't, well, you didn't have a book out. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but you know, some people brought legally permissible beverages and we brought cookies and it was, uh, it was just a lot of fun.
0: It, it was great. And it was, like I said, during the actual show, it was like a night and day difference from our Rainforest show, which was also great and which was you know probably one of my like favorite things to have done up at that point but to go from a bunch of people who showed up to listen to his talk to go from that to hey we have a fan base was really it caught me off guard
1: yeah at, at rainforest we uh we did a little poll of the room and said how many people had listened to the podcast before and i think there were like 3 yeah and that and at, at fc we asked the same question and nearly everybody in the room raised their hands so it wasn't just people coming to say hey let's check out the erotic writing podcast maybe they'll say cock
0: yeah, and like you said, you know, it, it was party night. I mean, there was there were better things for people to be doing. <laughs>
1: exactly. Um, I also want to specifically thank our guest uh, Jeff Eddie, goes by the name Brayer, who showed up and sat down with us late at night and answered all of our questions about publishing and answered some of our fans' questions about it. Um,
0: yeah, the fans really seem to appreciate that too.
1: And they do. Um, all of our listeners know we love SoFull Press, and it's just great to get to talk to them. And hopefully, our fans can see that they they don't just have a good eye for quality work, not to toot our own horns, but uh, that they're also great guys to work with, just in general, and hang out with. And...
0: and they want to sell you new things to read, so check them out.
1: Of course they do, which um, sort of ties into the next items on, on my list. Uh, a bunch, All the new Soapwolf books that were for sale at Further Confusion, if you did not make it to the convention, and we're very sorry we didn't see you there, are now available online. You can go to the Soapwolf pages and order them, and they will be at your door in your Warm little pause in just about a week, or actually, less than that, three days or so. <laughs> I've, I've flustered I, the otter into silence. I, I was trying to think... He's thinking, imagining other things in his warm little pause uh, now.
0: See, I was going to say, like, you use the phrase warm little pause, and I was like, I need, like, a rejoinder for that, and I didn't think of one in time.
1: You need more wine. Uh,
0: I really don't, not after this weekend.
1: Um, But, uh, in addition... Uh, I also have a new book coming out from Fur Planet in February, which is going to be released at Fur Fiesta in conjunction with the uh, very kind folks at Fur Fiesta inviting me to be writing Guest of Honor there. Uh, It's called Bridges. I did a short reading from it at Fur the Confusion, which was received fairly well. And the lovely and talented Kiovi did some artwork for it. She has posted very nice artwork. She, she has posted one of the pictures online, which is a very distracting picture. If you uh, if you go to her fur affinity account, which is furfinity.net dot net slash user slash k e o v i, you can see the picture. Or I believe I linked to it from my FA journal as well.
0: Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And if you actually go to Fur Planet's website, their page has the full cover up too. Oh yeah,
1: and, which is um, gorgeous. And you can pre-order the book now. It won't be delivered till after Furry Fiesta, which is February twenty nineteenth through twenty first. Yeah, so you have like about that. three weeks. So about three weeks from now, it won't be it. It won't be released till then. So I'm sure Fuzz will be busy the following week, uh, shipping out a bunch of orders. So keep him busy. Fuzz likes being busy send, sending people stuff. So pre-order the book, and he will send it out uh, end of February.
0: And now I'm looking forward to getting a copy of that in my own little pause. My warm little paw. I am,
1: too. I can't wait to see how it comes out in print. Did you, always... see what,
0: did you see what Lovejoy said earlier today?
1: About putting his paw down a fox's pants?
0: No. He said, um, <laughs> just, sorry, I I can't come out and play today. I have to sit and read a novella about a three-way.
1: <laughs> ah, yes. And end it with the hashtag, I love my job. Yeah. Yeah, I did see <laughs> that. Um, that's very amusing. So next week, we actually are going to be Sitting down with Not Tube, and we will have a special guest, Rikoshi, on this podcast, which I don't think Rikoshi has ever been on this podcast before. I, um, I
0: would have remembered another fox who wasn't you.
1: That's true. Although, he did sort of make an appearance in Unsheathed Presents number two. and A very naughty appearance.
0: With, so within the confines of my dirty
1: mind. Yes. Um,
0: or his dirty mind, or someone's but, dirty mind.
1: Uh, Not Tube and I will be talking to Rikoshi about his novel, The Seventh Chakra, which is a great read. It got a very nice review up on uh, the Furry Book Review Live Journal community today. And Not Tube and Rakoshi will then be talking to me about my new book, Shadow of the Father, which I've been getting some good feedback on. I think the most interesting feedback now is people seem to be competing to tell me how long it takes them to just read the book cover to cover without putting it down, because I've had two people tell me already that it takes one took one person 10 hours took another person 8.
0: Oh, we're going to start doing speed runs.
1: So, yeah, I'm, if I'm you, interested. If people
0: can sequence break reading your book.
1: So, anyway, we're um, we're looking forward to that. It should be fun. We'll try to keep the the show fairly short, maybe 15-20 minutes per book, and we're hoping to talk a little more about the um the writing process. And um I'm actually sad that uh, Hirosaki-san won't be able to join us, but he has been called away for another engagement that weekend, so we could not schedule around it.
0: Yeah, I have like clandestine, ottery things to get up to that probably aren't as interesting as all that.
1: Get up to, get into.
0: Get gotten into. <laughs> get, get gotten yeah, no, into. if it was that I'd be bragging about it, but I'm not.
1: Um, and last note on books. We have a lot of little notes before we get into the emails this week, but The uh, furry fandom's own recognition of its creative community, or at least the written part of its creative community, the Ursa Major Awards have opened their nomination period, which runs from, well, whenever you listen to this podcast, through February 28th is when nominations close. Right, And then sometime in March, they announce the nominees, and then there's voting until about uh, end of April, I want to say. Right,
0: because they usually announce them in May. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So um, Don't,
0: don't um, like the Hugo Awards with ears and tails.
1: <laughs> yes. Only you don't have to go to Worldcon to vote on them. Um, so, Hirotaki-san and I both have a couple things that are eligible, and we have mentioned them on our live journals, but we could do the quick 10-second rundown here.
0: Yeah, I only actually have three stories that are eligible from 2009, which
1: is you know kind
0: of sad compared to other years of... you know comparing Way my-
1: over 10 seconds already.
0: So I've got two stories that you can find on my F.A. There's Tilo and the Desk Husky, which is really short. And then there's Pressure, which is really not short. Uh, and then there's my Thou Shalt in the False Witness story in X.
1: And uh, I've got a story in X as well, on the Sabbath. And a story in Heat, which I believe is called Talk With Your Mouth Full. And a story in New Fables, which is actually my first non-porn published story, which I'm very proud of, called Race to the Moon. Uh, I also put a couple of things up on F.A. over the course of the year. A story called Drifting, which a lot of people appreciated. I really like Drifting. And a story called Modern History, which is in the League of Canids universe. And I and really like dingoes. It features a dingo and a bear. And if you purchase the unsheathed DVD, you can hear me read in Modern History. Uh, and I also have a novel...
0: This a little thing you might have heard of.
1: Called Out of Position, which is eligible in the Best Novel category. And the Compilation X is also eligible in the Other Literary Work category, because it's an anthology.
0: So if you vote for that, you can have us both win at the same time. and You don't need to pick favorites.
1: Exactly. So it's a win-win, 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 I believe. Does
0: that make it full of win?
1: It It is full of win. Nicely done. You're welcome. Um, and with that, I think we're going to get to some questions. We want to encourage you to keep sending questions in, although we have a a big backlog, and because we're trying to keep these podcasts kind of time-focused, we're, uh, we're not going to do a four-hour podcast to get through our backlog of questions. But do keep sending them in, and we will uh, keep reading them. So, here we go. Hey, it's Skip again. I listened to your episode on horror and was surprised that Edgar Allan Poe didn't get a mention. While he wrote mostly short stories, he was definitely a master of suspense and came closer than any other author to write in jump moments, such as in The Fall of the House of Usher. My actual question is more concerned with how you think interspecies relationships should be handled. This is most important, I think, with straight relationships. If a raccoon and a bear get together and make babies—sorry, no blowjobs—what are the babies? Are they a hybrid of the two parents? One or the other? Neither? While a bear-coon hybrid isn't that far out, what about something more far out, like a horse falling in love with a mouse? Even an author of gay erotica in the writing of an environment-rich, believable novel may have to deal with straight relationships. Please discuss how you personally would handle this situation. Thanks for your time and blowjob references. Skip.
0: First off, I'm a. Did we really not mention Poe at all in the horror episode?
1: Uh, we might not have. Might,
0: that, that that is a glaring oversight.
1: Poe always seemed to me... Uh, you know, I tried to read "Follow the House of Usher" one time, and I'm, I'm kind of ashamed to say I couldn't get through it. Um,
0: I've I'd, not read it. I mean, I'm very familiar with his short work. Though. Yeah, I
1: did. I love "Mask of Red Death" and um, "The Gold Bug" and, and "Cask of Amontillado." Cask of Amontillado and um, th- you know just tons of great work. But yeah. uh, I don't really recall him being the jumpy kind of author yeah
0: i put him in the same thing as lovecraft where it's more like human despair sort of horror
1: although although i do have to say that lovecraft did some good jump moments just because it was kind of like hey we're walking through an abandoned house and then oh suddenly many tentacle monster drops down from the ceiling and eats one of our party in front of us
0: oh okay all right so maybe poe didn't write that but not quite
1: (laughs) um but in terms of the interspecies relationships it is something that throughout Argea and the Forrester universe, I I never have people actually discussing it, but there's points in Out of Position where um, they make reference to, I, I should say actually to preface this, that I kind of feel like we had talked about this on the podcast before, and Hirosaki-san says we have not. I don't so, think we have. But there are points where people... They talk about, you know, Dev saying, oh, I'm going to fool around a bit before settling down. And so there's a whole thing where other species are good for playing around with, but when you want to have a real relationship, you settle down with someone of your own species. Yeah, And Argea is kind of the same, especially where it relates to the nobility and lineages and stuff. The way that I deal with hybrids is I don't have hybrids in any of my worlds. Um, i you know, a little bit stick to the biology of the animals and hybrids tend to not make a lot of sense. I kind of feel like if you have a world where hybrids are possible, then eventually what's going to happen is everybody's going to become some kind of mixed hybrid. Right. If you, if you look around the United States now, there's people that are, you know, one eighth, the one quarter Cherokee. There's people that are all kinds of mixed race because you know, we're just a America's just a big melting pot. Right. I heard that on the TV growing up. But um, and I, I kind of feel like if you have hybrids and you have to have rules for hybrids, and then you have, well, what if your horse mouse hybrid marries a bear coon hybrid? What kind of kids do they have? And you know, it just got all too difficult to think about. And I kind of like the restrictions of yeah, you have to marry someone of your own species in order to have kids. And
0: yeah. I've seen a lot of other. Um, well not a lot of it I have seen other uh, bits of furry writing that do specifically call out the hey you know you can have a cross species relationship because you can fool around and not worry about you know knocking the girl up
1: exactly no pregnancy
0: yeah and I mean just saying you know like how do you you know even as a right, of gay erotica, you know, how do you do, like, you still have to handle straight relationships, and I think that, you know, if you have a cross-species straight relationship, that could provide some interesting texture and conflict. You know, maybe it's, you know, you could deal with sort of, you know, like, like racial issues and cultural issues, you know, whether or not, you know, one family is accepting of it or not, you know. How do you deal with the fact that, you know, yes, you know, there's, like, might be a stigma where, like, yes, we're married, but we can't have children, and everyone knows that. It's not like a secret, oh, like, one of us is infertile, and just, we don't tell people, but people can just look at the couple and go, okay, yeah, like you're not going to have kids, right. that sort of thing.
1: Which also provides a venue for inappropriate questions asked in public, like people do of gay couples with kids. Like, how yeah. did you have kids? And you know, Magic. The, yeah. It's, none of your business is apparently not a polite answer. Um, but there's a couple other furry worlds that deal with the question, interestingly, that um, we're kind of familiar with. The world of Thousand Leaves. Actually, specifically implies that disease is not a problem across species, except in that there is this strain of disease that can be crossed, can be passed across species. And that forms kind of the core of, of the book Thousand Leaves um, that Rikoshi wrote. Um, the other one that comes to mind is the New Tibet universe in which gay relationships are okay, but cross-species relationships are frowned on. And... So it's kind of interesting how this I, I haven't I haven't really come across a a furry world that really dealt with full hybrids being acceptable and I, you know I've by no means read all the books out there but yeah, I mean there are plenty of fandom characters and you know like owners
0: well, yeah. and stuff but I mean that's outside of the boundaries of any established worlds that are built and so that's I think you know
1: isn't it like the dragon cat with one angel wing and one demon wing or something <laughs> uh ross Gibson's world did she allow hybrids
0: I'm, not, I'm I'm only dabbled, so I'm not sure,
1: yeah, all I know is she allows brutal murders
0: Which, <laughs> I'm okay with that
1: <laughs> um, so there you go, and uh.
0: Also, I to address one other point that Skip does mentioned, mention, I'm pretty sure that straight people still have blowjobs.
1: Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, you know, yeah. blowjobs cut out the whole problem of having kids. Yeah. So, there you go, Skip. Hope that helps. We'll move on to a letter from Kaz. Kaz, who is now a fellatio fanboy. Um, he writes, hey, guys, me again decided I'd respond to the question you posed in episode number 21, asking how I motivate myself to write. The answer is complicated, but I'll do my best to lay it out concisely. As far as I can tell, there are three factors that motivate me. First, I'm motivated on my present project in the hopes that it will one day be published. I've had thoughts off and on all my life about having a novel published, but until recently, it never seemed a real possibility. Now that I'm this close, I simply must follow through and at least give it my best shot. Second, is simply the fact that I'm being constructive. My free time up until I took up writing was filled with video games, internet forum ramblings, etc., and it left my life feeling devoid of progress. When I write, I feel like I'm actually moving forward, creating and accomplishing something. Third, and most importantly, it's because the ideas won't leave me alone. Ever since I was a kid, I would take little ideas and build them in my daydreams. Thank you, by the way, for not saying ever since I was a cub. Um, I would take little ideas and build them in my daydreams, fleshing out the details until I'd created several small universes inside my head. It's just what my mind does when it's bored. Whenever I get an idea for a story and I start getting serious about it, the floodgates of creativity burst open and there's no stopping it. Since I started writing my present project at the start of NaNoWriMo, I can't count the number of times I've scrambled for a pen and paper while out somewhere or reluctantly got out of bed to write down some detail that I just can't let myself forget. Anyway, that's my answer. Hope it was interesting.
0: Well, like they say, the uh, trick to creative success is... uh 3% inspiration and 97% not being distracted by the internet.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I Some of my most creative periods have been, you know, I'll say sitting in coffee shops without stuff to distract me, but you can get the internet in coffee shops now.
0: Yeah, I need to stop doing that.
1: I think my most productive periods, honestly, are when I've been thinking about a story during the day so much that I cannot wait to sit down and get my fingers on a keyboard. Okay, I was going to say pause. I was going to go there.
0: It's okay. You can go there.
1: We could say pause. I can't don't judge we? you. Um, but that sounds. This all sounds very familiar to me. Um, you know, I love seeing work, and having had a novel published does not reduce your motivation to get another novel published. If that makes any sense. I think um, I know what you mean. But mostly, it's just to see the projects finished. Because I know I have a, I know I have a venue for them. Whether it ends up being a print venue or just something to post online, but I know I have a venue, and I want to see the project done. I want to see the story finished and find out what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. So, like I, I think I've said on the podcast before, this isn't something I do just because it's a hobby. It's because there is this real drive where I need to get this story out of my head and into some form that other people can appreciate. Yeah. And, you know, it's sort of this compulsion that will almost go to insanity if that itch is not scratched.
1: Yeah, exactly. And the whole thing about being constructive, I totally sympathize with because, you know, I used to play more video games. I used to watch movies. And now if I play a video game, I have this little guilt in the back of my head that says, why aren't you doing something productive with your time? And it's just, uh, you know, it's not the kind of thing where I say, all right, well, I'll go, you know, clean my room or something. Writing is something I actually really enjoy, and it's constructive, and it makes me feel good to do it. So, uh, you know. And that's what makes you so awesome. Totally on board there.
0: Aww.
1: Aww. Aww.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean that. And, you know, my biggest problem is I know I don't write quickly, and... I might almost even say ponderously when I actually get to a keyboard. And so when I do squander free time where I could be getting writing done, I will beat myself up over it terrifically.
1: Which, honestly, I have to say just kind of makes it worse. Because if you beat yourself up over it, then you start to get this whole guilt-shame thing going on where you're like, oh, I wasted my time. And then you have more pressure the next time you sit down at a keyboard like, I absolutely can't waste this time because it'll make me feel horrible afterwards. And, you know... The more you the more you relax and let yourself enjoy the stories that you're writing, I think the better the easier and faster they'll come.
0: I just have to tackle pounce the moment. Like an otter. Snuggle it up <laughs> like an otter. Damn it. <laughs> you beat me up to my own punchline before I was even finished talking.
1: Oh, uh, that's why we work so well together. Yeah. That's what makes you awesome. We
0: we we we, 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 we fit together really well. We mesh very smoothly.
1: Yes. Quick Kit's distract still, the audience. Kit's still in the room, you know. He's right over there staring and. at us. <laughs> well, he still has his pants on. Yes. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to let you read the next yeah. one because it's about as long as previous two put Speaking together. Speaking of that, dear podcasters who have sheets
0: but are not in them presently, I hope. Well, our last little discussion there might cause to doubt. <laughs> Writing inspiration. In episode 21, you ask for people to write in and tell them what motivates us to write our stories. For me, what motivates me is my own life, the crazy once-in-a-lifetime things that seem to happen to all of us despite our best efforts to fall into efficient, monotonous routines. Despite all the things that make us unique individuals, most people's lives are comprised of long stretches going through repetitive motions. Work, eat, sleep, maybe fuck before sleeping, repeat. Find time for small interruptions but which are themselves repetitive. Do laundry on the weekends, visit family on the holidays, eat with others instead of alone, play wow instead of sleeping, working, or fucking. Wow, these lies are eh, anyway. (laughs) To me the reason (laughs) I write it (laughs) I don't play wow. I don't either. I sleep, work and fuck. Um to me the reason I write and tell stories is to share the moments when Yes. You know, you can have a free pen. You don't need to fluster me to earn one. (laughs) I have a pen. To me, the reason I write and tell stories is to share the moments where we can manage to break out of this routine for some reason, be it good or bad, and have a truly wild experience that makes us feel alive. I want readers to live vicariously, enduring a fantastic situation that causes them to long for something missing in their own lives that they found in my prose, a relationship that didn't fall apart, or a path that should have been explored, or maybe just really hot Okapi who doesn't eat things with his tongue. Porn pre- <laughs> Don't look at me like that. I wasn't even looking at you. You were. I was not. You were wondering what I was thinking about this Okapi. I know exactly what you were thinking about the Okapi. <laughs> I bet you don't. Uh, <laughs> Porn presents the opportunity for a vicarious life because everybody wants the sex to be hotter. You, me, Mark Sanford, Tiger Woods, everybody.
1: Hotter meaning different things to different people, of course. And yes. In our case, it means with fictional animal people. Yeah.
0: And Tiger, Wolf gives, Tiger Woods, Tiger <laughs> Wolf, All right now. Hey, he's another guest of honor. I was going to say, he's your fellow Fiesta. guest of honor. He is.
1: Me and Tiger Wolf and Michelle Light. Yes. Come to Furry Fiesta, Dallas, February 19th. We'll both be there. We're doing another podcast. We are. We're going to be, like, all full of podcasts. Yes. But anyway, go on. Sorry. Point
0: to point the second. Questions about maintaining energy. Since starting to listen to your podcast and your tweets, I have been working on a couple of story ideas, whichever ideas have good energy at the time. I'm normally a pretty slow, methodical writer who edits as he goes, so trying to capture the spontaneous energy is tough for me. I see two problems in my current writing approach, the main one being that I have a nigh-obsessive desire to reread my own writing. Whether in the form of work emails, porn stories, forum posts, Christmas cards, whatever I write, I have to reread and that wastes a lot of time. But I always spawn edits out of it, so I keep doing it. Should I mend my ways and how? Should we answer that one now, actually? Because this kind of goes on a while.
1: Uh, sure, we can break this up a little bit. Well, you go ahead if you have a thought. So,
0: it. as I was saying, I'm kind of a slow writer, too. And I don't know if... I've broken myself out of the desire to constantly re re-edit as I go because as I think we've both mentioned before that will get you stuck in a continual feedback loop and you'll never get your first draft done if you do that which is kind
1: of what it sounds like he's doing
0: yeah and it's like you know should you break yourself in your habit of going back and rereading your own stuff before you're done I would be inclined to say yes actually yeah, to be I honest agree.
1: I would agree with that I would say um, do an experiment um, try taking one of your story ideas next time you get story idea just something short and think about it for like a week just keep running through it in your head and when you get to the point where you're ready to write it down just pull an Ian Fleming and just write don't go back and look at what you've written until you're finished with the story then put it away for two weeks or three weeks or a month or something and then come back to it
0: and see how that goes. Hopefully, you know that'll see some quicker, more uh, tractable results.
1: Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to stop your whole self and cold turkey, but um, you do want to maybe scale back on it to the point where you can be productive.
0: No, I I definitely agree with that. Because really, at the end of the day, if, if we're not being productive, we're not doing our jobs. Exactly. Because, really, that's all we can do is produce. Produce what? That's another story.
1: Yes. Okay. Production for use.
0: Yes. And then he goes on to say, Of secondary concern is the number of story ideas I am simultaneously working on. Right now I have six, with all but one clearly intended as short YF star porn stories. The sixth I intend to really delve deep on character development and then see how the plot develops. Right now I'm writing the stories that I feel have the most potential... But am I playing a dangerous game by starting projects and not committing to finish them properly? Or promptly, sorry. Well, if you're Kyle, apparently you can work on six projects at once, but I certainly can't do that.
1: Well, yeah, it all depends on having a good sense of what you can finish. Yeah. If, you're, if you're working on six projects at once and none of them are getting finished, and you're getting bored of them before you can finish them, then you're doing something wrong. Yeah. If you're working on six projects at once and it takes you as long as it would to write each of them in serial... Then that's fine. Then you don't need to do anything different. I mean, I I like to have a couple projects that I can flip back and forth between, because when I get stuck on one, I flip over to another one. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, again, as we said it for the confusion, it's you've got to find what works for you. And to ask, are you doing something wrong? I mean, my question back would be, is what you're doing working?
0: Yeah. And for me, my my trek is man, I should really get back to working on that idea, and
1: then I don't. Yeah. (laughs) I was actually thinking, um, a couple of people mentioned that they wanted to see me post more um, short short porn gift star stories online, and I was trying to think of why I'd gotten away from that, and I realized that the last couple years I've been really more focused on novel projects and longer works, and I actually wrote, like, I mean, the bridges which is coming out started as a short Yifstar star porn story and just got out of control. Um, there was another short story that I wrote. I think it was last year or the year before that I meant to post, but then that is going to turn into a novel project. <laughs> then there was another story that I wrote last year which I was going to post, but then that's going to turn into a novel project. There was another story that I wrote last year that I wrote, I, I sent around to some people and they were like, "Well, you need to develop this more. This isn't complete. You need to write more for it." So I didn't post that. Uh, another short story that I wrote last year is going into a secret project this year that I'm not allowed to talk about yet. So, you know, I, I've written these short stories. It's just they keep either getting out of control or just, you know, being destined for something else. So I think I have to get back to a little challenge mode, just write little fluffy things for that I, I enjoy, that people enjoy reading.
0: Yeah, and actually two of the three things that I well actually know those were all 2008, never mind.
1: Your tail in the desk husky was kind of like that.
0: Yeah, that's only a couple thousand words. It's really short.
1: I'd... Short and fluffy and cute. Yeah. And then, hot.
0: Oh, if it's hot, then I did my job. But even then, it's not like super porny. But it is meant to titillate, so there you go.
1: <laughs> all right, finish the email. All right. I, I hope that answered your question, Jonathan. And by the way, it was great to meet him at further confusion oh yeah he he's came up
0: he's, and, he's a good partier
1: he is he and, and good conversationalist he came up and chatted with me a couple times at different points in the convention and was just it was really fun to hang around with
0: yeah we uh we had a lot of alcohol together
1: <laughs> mm, i heard about that
0: <laughs> he uh goes on with uh fox speak protologistic sexual euphemisms uh someone after my own heart with that sort of thing yes i know Kyle, if you can't call it head at FC, then I feel that it is time to define your own G-rated vulpine lexicon, fox speak. I propose that at all G-rated cons you should refer to blowjobs as fox kisses, handjobs as fox handshakes, vaginal sex as making more foxes, anal sex as fox poker. Fox poker is particularly apt, as it leads to the sensible and suggestive all-in fox and fox busting out. The advantages of this system are its creativity, ease of memorization, and audience participation. (laughs) Another strength of it is that other X-rated terms can be replaced by G-rated terms ad hoc, such as in the following euphemisms whose definitions are left to the reader. Working fox, watering a fox, sicking your dogs on a fox, fox family reunion, and that one time KM fed a gumshoe fox some calamari. (laughs) Wow. I should have finished reading this email before I read it out loud.
1: That boy ain't right.
0: If necessary, a mustelid lexicon could also be derived from the vulpine lexicon. Dranth, which he confirms is pronounced like as in creme de menthe, even though he stole it from a name of a Dutch town whose name sounds nothing
1: at all like that. And in fact, menth is technically pronounced mouth, because it's French. So I should call him dranth from now on. I think that'd be amusing. I know we
0: have at least one Dutch
1: listener. Yeah. So, as long as they're not Dutch, French. (laughs) Um, The uh, yeah, no, no, no bit nukers on this show. So I have have to say I was very amused by all this. Um, I will uh, not to be not to be kind of like the guy who takes funny things seriously, although I do that a lot, but. It's kind of a little bit of a sore point with me sometimes about the the over-sexualization of foxes specifically. Um, Not to say that foxes aren't sexual, because if you listen to this podcast and you think that, then you obviously are not listening well enough. But if you listen to this podcast, you will also note that otters are pretty much as sexual as foxes.
0: I have in fact been called a water fox more than once.
1: Yes. And I've been called a land otter, actually. But
0: that sounds like a kind of car.
1: The point is, uh the whole Wow <laughs> gets being very amused by this conversation. Um the whole sort of over sexualization of foxes sort of bothers me on a couple levels. Uh first of all because it it kind of implies that there's nothing to foxes but sex yeah I didn't mean to put those two words right together right like that, but you get my meaning uh but the other point is it it also sort of implies that there's no other species that really are that into sex in the fandom, which if you've been in the furry fandom for more than five minutes, you know is not true,
0: yeah otters, rabbits, huskies dragons wolves, dra- stop me if I'm getting onto it,
1: <laughs> yeah, unicorns. Pegasi. Oh my God!
0: You just reminded me of something hilarious. That's way too long to get into. I'll have to show it to you later.
1: So while while I kind of like your concept, <laughs> I I think we could um, I think we could replace it with a, a, any number of different species, and maybe genericize it a little bit more. But um, I I, I will have to say kudos on a very entertaining email, and yeah, uh, and we do appreciate that. Um. Well done, sir.
0: Yes, and thanks for that party invite. The uh, neutrally buoyant uh, super Obama is something I will never forget.
1: <laughs> All right, it was a you had a better FC than I did. Um, we're gonna try to keep the show a little short. I, I got one last email that I want to read, which has a, a fairly quick response. I think so. Sure, sure. We'll run through that, and then we'll finish up. This is from Trendane, Dane, whom we thanked earlier. He writes, On the subject of morning lost ideas, I once had a story which I was certain was going to be awesome, and it still may. I had the first three paragraphs, and they were the absolute perfect words to set up the story. Then I went to the store and neglected to save before I walked away. While I was out, we lost power, and those perfect words were lost. I find myself crippled and having a very difficult time putting pen to paper, digitally speaking, to start again. Is this sort of a get over it and write that wolf, fox, prawn, dammit situation? Also, as a question, I often see spelling errors in people's stories. Unfortunately, they're often the kind which no spell checker will catch. Mistakes with the use of two, two and two, there, there, and there, four, four, and four, and my personal pet peeve, the then-than reversal. What do you guys do to prevent these sort of mistakes from getting through into your finished works? Uh, Trendane Sparks. So, for the first one, uh, I'm also completely paranoid about losing the perfect words that i just written. Uh i get over it by having edited a bunch of my stories and realizing that the first things that i write for a story are never the perfect words and i can always recreate something again. So yeah. it would be a get over it situation.
0: Yeah, like like you've said before, the first third of your story is the part that you're going to be rewriting the most.
1: Yeah, exactly. Everything changes. And I understand that you're very attached to the words, and I, I believe me, I sympathize with that feeling about, oh, I've just written the perfect thing, I've got to save it, it can't be lost. I save drafts of my novels obsessively, even if I've only written a half a page. You know, God forbid I have to go back and recreate that page, which I had just created. But, you know, the whole thing is, you've created it once, you can create it again.
0: Yeah, and I mean, there have been times where I've started an idea where it's, you know, I didn't lose any of the writing but the idea just fizzled anyway and nothing became of it so i know the same thing is okay you you have an idea the words fizzle but you still have the idea go for it
1: yeah exactly uh on the second one i'm going to give the abbreviated version of my spell checker rant which is you know one of the pairs you didn't mention is form and from or roll and roll i see those a lot in published works Um, people, you cannot only rely on spell checkers to spell check your documents. You need to read through it Mm -hmm. if possible, read it aloud if it's a short story, because then you catch mistakes. Um, but you need to edit your document.
0: Yeah. Or find somebody else to help you with it. Like I said before about my own work, I am terrible at copy editing my own work, which is why I always show it to other people. I don't think it's because I'm a bad writer or necessarily a bad typist. Just those errors will crop up into your writing and I'm just not good at spotting them because my brain will just gloss over them in my own work. And so I know but I know enough to know, okay, let somebody else look at this.
1: Exactly. And if there's all, no shame in that. You yeah. don't
0: you don't need to credit them either when you post it online. Nope. Not you can at all. you can you can just cut them out and make them bitter. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, not of, about the bitter part. Not about the
1: bitter part. No, I'm sweet.
0: And delicious, and something.
1: Yes, um, you're a freshwater otter, not a saltwater otter.
0: That's true. Although, it's, oh, I was going to take that places.
1: <laughs> I think our listeners can follow. Yes. Uh, so anyway, in some, do not let the spell checker be your only reliance on. Uh, do not be. Do not let the spell checker be the only thing you rely upon to spell check your work. You either need to learn to read or acquire a friend who can read your work for you.
0: And we've given our. Grammatical syntactical advice books
1: listings before. Yep, exactly. Uh so well thank everyone for listening again. Thanks to everyone who came out at FC and all the staff yeah, there and thank you. That was
0: really awesome.
1: We are so looking forward to Furry Fiesta and doing another podcast down there with a whole different audience. Maybe not a whole different audience. We might have some repeat people. But um I can think of at least a couple of people who are in the audience who will be there again. Yeah, I think so. But that's gonna be a lot of fun. Write us letters, unsheathed podcast at gmail.com. And Vote for your favorite books by uh your favorite authors in the Ursa Majors, even if those authors aren't us. The important thing is that you recognize the people that you like.
0: Yeah, it was a good year for furry writing, so
1: it was. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Um, and follow us at unsheathed on FA.
0: Yeah. Where we uh we've finally showcased our new unsheathed fan art, have we? Uh, oh, wait, no, know. it's not on our page. It's on Bobby's page.
1: Yeah, it is on It is on Bobby's page. We need to get that up on our page. And if you're at First Fiesta, we will be selling the unsheathed DVDs there as well. They're not video DVDs. They're just audio, but there was too much stuff to fit on a CD. So. Yeah,
0: but they they have f- free porn. So
1: They do have free porn, and we're not selling them online, so... Only at conventions. You have
0: to look us in the eye in person and say, let me buy your naughty podcast.
1: Yes. <laughs> However, we will sign the C- the DVDs if you...
0: I did. I I, I did know. sign one for someone. I signed someone. one as well. Yeah. yeah.
1: And Kit even signed it.
0: Yeah. He got the trifecta.
1: And with the word trifecta, we're going to leave you for now. I am, as always, Kyle Gold.
0: And I am Cam
1: Hirosaki. I'll see you in two weeks. Or three. Or th- three. Well...
0: Well, I meant I'm not going to be on the podcast next week.
1: Oh, that's right, right, right. We will actually see people in three weeks. Yes. With okay. my hat, which is cool. All right. Good night, everyone.